0: I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, listeners, greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello, Christopher. So, we got some listener email. We like listener email. Yes, yes we
1: do. I think. I like it. Sometimes they're hard questions. That's all I'm trying to that's say. True. That's true.
0: But it, it does show that they we do have listeners. So that, that's, that's always that's true, helpful. Yes. <laughs> so Jamie is asking about resources for family members and friends to help educate them on how they can best support their family as they start their foster and adoption journey.
2: Yeah, that's a good question.
0: Great question.
2: I, think, I wish that we had... I wish that we had thought that question. Right, before? Before we adopted. Because I think we went into it with our expectations being that everybody was really excited and Mm -hmm. everybody was just going to learn right alongside us. But I think our family and friends all were like, okay, your parents now just move on as though you had just given birth to a child, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, they just expected everything to just be... Exactly, like their parenting experience mm. or their childhood or whatever.
0: And Especially when it comes to foster care, right? Yeah. That this kid's just yeah. magically dropped into your house. Right,
2: and then they're like, yep. Well, so are you coming over for dinner? Or are you going to this game with us? Are you doing this? And you're trying to like figure out what's going on and mm. settle into a new normal. And, and we didn't really prepare anybody. I mean, I think we just kind of assumed mm. they would just – Figure things out, and so here we're getting all this training, and and we're going through all these classes, and we're reading all these books because when it's personal to you, right, you jump in and you educate yourself. You invest, right? Yeah, and and I have found very few grandparents, aunts, uncles that do that on their own. Mm-hmm. Many will do it if you say, hey, you should read this; it'll really help you understand, right? Or you should watch this video or whatever. A lot more will do that, but very few are searching it out. And there's not any books that I know of that are how to become a grandparent through adoption or foster care, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that um, I think that Jamie's question is asked at a really interesting point in history, because if she asked this question 10 years ago, the cupboard was pretty bare, mm-hmm. like yeah. there weren't any answers. I mean, just think how much we've come in the last 10 years in understanding trauma, how it impacts people, how it informs their behaviors how um, now as adults we're able to have a little bit of a glimpse into our histories and start to come to terms with that. And so we're, we're sort of breaking the cycles of poverty and its impacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were no answers 10 years ago. I mean, all our, the only thing I remember 10 years ago was um, holding that child close in the first few months of their lives caused a bunch of neurons to fire and pathways to be formed and a lot of kids that weren't... Given that nurture, um, those pathways never formed. That was like literally the understanding of trauma's impact on the human brain. Uh, But there's been a ton of work since I read all the stuff at TCU, the stuff at Harvard, the ACES study. I mean, if you just Google trauma and its impacts, there's just um, a lot of that. So the good news is that there are answers. Uh, And there are a lot of resources out there, and uh, we're going to list a bunch of them during this episode. But I think a good place for us to start in terms of preparing your village around you Um, is from our personal experience, and that is sometimes the village um, struggles to come to terms with the fact that that they don't get to know everything about the kid, Mm -hmm. which, to be fair to the village, is hard.
0: Because they get that when we birth a child into our family right yeah because they're, they're walk- part of the story right they're part of the story they're walking through the pregnancy with us and, and all that you know sometimes they're even there for the birth or yeah. at least you know maybe not in the room but they're there at the hospital and that kind of thing right. you know, they see the kid minutes after they're born they don't get any of that when right. it comes well, to and adoption they, of foster care
2: they know everything about that kid's story because right. they're part of that kid's yeah. story the whole time firsthand so that's firsthand knowledge right
1: and it's it's a really double-edged sword because on one hand we want them to dive in and be all grandparent all the time, right? But at the same time we're telling them you don't get to know all the stuff. Yeah. And I think for Kayla and I we were really um, really struggled with that early on with her folks and mine because we were really come on, why aren't you all in? Mm. And the re- and the reality of the matter is that at some level. With adoption and foster care, you're probably going to have to come to terms with the fact that you cannot be all in, in terms of knowledge of the child's history. And here's the simple thing for us. When somebody explained it to us this way, it really made sense. If you play fast and loose with your child's story, and you tell grandma, and grandma tells her friends, and then one day your child hears a part of their story from somebody they don't even know, that was on you. And all of the negative emotions and whatever flooding of your child in that moment, you were the the major contributing factor to that. Not grandma who told her friends. No. Because you um, you cannot pass the responsibility from yourself to your parent. The responsibility stops at you because when you said, I want that child to be a part of my family, you took ownership of all of it, including their histories. And so... I think just being honest up front with people, and you don't have to do it in a combative way. Um, We may have um, (laughs) on occasion done it in a combative way, but you don't have to do it in a combative way. And I think you know, wanting to prepare your family for a placement of a child whose name you don't even know yet, whose gender you may not even know yet, whose age you may not even hear, um, is so, so good. That is so far beyond what people were thinking a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't think that. We just thought, hey, it's going to happen. They're going to jump on board. Um, one of the turning points for us, though, is I realized that in my parents and Kayla's parents' sort of life fantasies, I don't think any of them thought, wow, well, I'm going to become a grandparent because I'm going to be a foster grandparent one day. And I think that we have to give that to them, too. Um, so grace and, and kind of coaching you, the next circle in the family, about how this is a little different, but you still need them to be all in. Right.
2: I think it kind of sets them up to have that proper expectation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if they have the expectation that there may be things that you're not going to share with them because you want to be able to share it with your child first, mm-hmm. that they're okay with that. And then also that if you give them the expectation that I may share some details of my child's story with you, but it's not for you just to tell everybody right. and for them to just understand why whenever, you know, a piece of that kid's story that you have to hold it as like a treasured detail that you're guarding. Yeah. Because yeah, like Ryan said, I I don't want to tell my mom something and her to tell her friend and her friend to tell her daughter or to tell her friend and her kid overhears it and tells my kid at a play date. Right. Right. I mean, it's like, that's the worst way I I want every detail of my kid's story to come from me. So that they know that I'm telling them Mm -hmm. whatever I know Mm -hmm. they're going to know. Right. And so setting that proper expectation that we're protecting our kid's story, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we're, we don't want you to be part of this, but because we want to protect our kid's story for them. Because it's theirs. it's it's not ours, right? Yeah, yeah. Also, as we're, you know, protecting our kid's story, I think we need to um, have other ways to build compassion for our kids other than, you know, because it... It can be really easy to go, oh, if I tell them all the details of this kid's story, Mm -hmm. they're going to have compassion for my child. If I don't tell them, then they're not going to have compassion, and Mm -hmm. they're just going to think my kid's a brat. We're going to need to find other ways to build that compassion for our kids. And so we're going to have to have other resources. We're going to have to look at um, educating them in a different way other than our kids' specific story, but Mm. give them some generalities of kids from a hard place, these vulnerable children that we're bringing into our home, right? You might have to do some specific to your child's situation, like maybe if you're adopting from an orphanage, then you give more specifics to kids from orphanages and kind of general statistics and things that happen. Or maybe you talk about, um, there's a great video called The Science of Neglect. Mm. We can link to that in the show notes but it just talks about neglect and the impact that neglect has on kids because i've heard a lot of people who have brought kids from an orphanage who they weren't abused in the orphanage they were taken care of their their physical needs were met but they still had the neglect in the sense that there wasn't somebody there to meet their every cry and their mm-hmm. every need for those early, you know, those early years and so i think that that video is a really good one for something along those lines. Because right? I think that's,
0: that's neglect is one of those things that a lot of people overlook because yeah. especially when it comes to the foster care system, a lot of people oftentimes think of abuse first yeah. right. and it's, it's not always abuse. Some of it is just neglect. Yeah. And I think we sometimes tend to lump those two together, but we really shouldn't because the effects that they have on the beliefs our kids end up with yeah. are different.
1: Yeah. Well, I I will say to reinforce that, without going into any details, um, we have some kids who have in our family who um, have been victims of neglect and have been victims of an abuse of abuse, excuse me, and um, those who um, were the victims of neglect struggle more with that. Years and years and years later mm. than than the physical abuse because they
2: struggle with their self worth and yeah the, it's just so damaged it's so it, damaging it's, yeah. it's their belief system that 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 has been so damaged yeah. right it's been so compromised because of that
1: well it's like if anybody listening has a has a kiddo with food issues right I mean we've talked about this many times before that that no matter even if you live in times of plenty um you still doubt that the food's always going to be available, right? So, I mean, Kayla and I were talking about this over the weekend that one of our kiddos has some real food issues, Uh, mercifully less than they were, but they're still there. Mm. And I said to her, um, three meals a day, snacks, every, you know, in the middle between the meals, Um, still hard for me knowing what I know and understanding what I understand it's still hard for me to comprehend that he doesn't get, that there will be plenty of food for him. Mm. And just, you know, when I I get past my sort of disbelief in that situation, it just makes me sad to understand that for a period of time, food was scarce in his life and he, having three meals a day and three snacks a day may never get to a place Mm. where he ever feels like food will be readily available for him.
0: Well, it's, it's the Sydney Poitier story, yeah, yeah, and the candy bar, yeah, yep. always in his jacket pocket, even though he was the most one of the most successful actors of his time and had all the cat's this. Money. Got an Oscar,
1: yeah. Still carries a candy bar around because he just needs to have that reassurance, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that's and that's kind of the issue with neglect, right? It has these really really long term effects. What's the thing you like to say? Uh, abuse means abuse means I don't like you. Neglect means yeah. you don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that's so true for people. For if you have a, a kid in your home has been... And it doesn't even have to be... The, and that's the thing about neglect, right? It doesn't have to be the extreme stuff that makes the evening news mm. where kids are locked in closets or chained into their bedrooms like that group in California earlier this year or late last year. Um, I mean, emotional neglect can be so subtle. Um, you know, the dad who comes home from work and just doesn't pay any attention to his kid. What's well, emotionally neglectful. Mm-hmm. And, and there are consequences to that child's development because of it. So... Uh, Kayla, you're talking about compassion, and and I would be remiss if I did not mention my fav- favorite quote that has the compassion uh, the word compassion in it. Dr. Brene Brown, and um, we can link to a couple of her TED talks. Um, she's amazing. If you haven't read any any of her books, um, Daring Greatly really uh, for Kayla and I changed the way we thought about our marriage. Uh, we read it together, and by that I mean we listened to it in the car together. Um, but she said. Compassion is a deeply held belief. Empathy is the skill set needed to bring compassion alive. And Mm -hmm. so um, I like words, and I like the actual meaning of them. We we co-opt the meaning of words culturally so much now. Uh, But the dictionary definition of compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate their suffering. So compassion starts with sympathy, that feeling, sorry. It moves to empathy um, that desire and then compassion is actually the actual alleviating of the suffering. Right. Mm. And so when you read in, in the gospels, this idea that Jesus was a person of compassion, he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. So he fed them, he taught them. He saw the widow, um, weeping at her son's funeral. And, and the Bible says, and Jesus had compassion on her. Mm-hmm. So he restored her son back to her. And so compassion is a verb, right? You cannot be a person of compassion unless you're actually doing something to alleviate another person's suffering. And so I think that if we can, because we can communicate to to our people. Um, and we understand the six risk factors from this connected child. We understand how that impacts the brain, body, biology, beliefs, and behavior. We understand the you know, fight, flight, or freeze responses. And if we can just have this foundation understanding what trauma is, how it impacts a person, and how it informs their behavior, that's enough to build compassion in anybody. Yeah. Because you look at a five-year-old and think, oh, my gosh, this kid's gone through some of these things. And if it doesn't make you weep and, and make you just want to do everything to make the world a better place for that child, uh, then you probably didn't think about it or comp- comprehend it well enough. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that it's so easy for people when you first bring a child home for your family and your friends to feel sorry for that child,
0: mm-hmm. which is but sympathy, if, right? which is that which, sympathy, which is okay. Right. but
2: but if it doesn't move towards no. that empathy, then in a few weeks they're just like, "Your kid's annoying. Mm-hmm. Your kids. You've got a bratty. Well, I can't get kid's over spoiled. it. Spoiled. Yeah. Or
1: even worse, when they break grandma's heirloom china.
2: Yeah." I think it's really we have to build that compassion and not just the sympathy that is is pretty natural I think when when you adopt or when you foster that some there's some form of sympathy that that people give towards that child knowing that even if they don't know what the kid's story is that they know that there was some sort of brokenness yeah. right and, but if we don't move past that then it's not going to last and that support system is not going to be there because they're just going to be frustrated by your child because they they don't understand
1: well um there's this is great great exercise Kayla does when we're um, teaching to a live audience and um, what, what do you call it important things yeah she's an important things exercise and what she does is she um, we won't go into great detail here, but she said, you know, asks you to write down some most important people in your life, write down your favorite places to go, your favorite memories, all those things. And then she's, when she's done with that, she says, okay, now pick one and rip it from the page and crumple it up and just throw it in the middle of your table. And it's amazing to, to me to see just that point of the exercise where some people really, really struggle with it. And then she's like, okay, two more. And then you're down to three and she's like, two more. And there are people who are now at this point resist. Now, now bear in mind, we're playing a game now. and within 90 seconds we've got people so revved up that they're resistant to tear pieces of paper off, off their page. And it comes down that you are you usually left with your people or your beliefs is generally what people are left with. And then we kind of walk over, step up to the microphone and make this point. Foster kids? As, 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 because you we asked "Well did that make you revved up yeah it made me angry mm-hmm. people say that made me angry doing that I said you were angry tearing pieces of paper off of a, tearing a sheet of paper into pieces imagine if you're some kid who at night, 10 o'clock at night is ripped from their home and their earthly belongings are in a black trash bag and then they're deposited somewhere with people they don't know and all they have with them is because they didn't get to choose what they kept they, right. got, they got to keep their belief system yep. which is highly compromised now because the people who were supposed to love them didn't Right, and so none of us have ever been in foster care. Yeah, and some of us can have some complaints about our parents. All of all of us probably do and wish they had done things that were different or better or whatever, right? But none of us actually grew up in a situation where the people who said that they would love us didn't. Yeah, And didn't, that sounded judgy. Let me try that again. Weren't able to or couldn't. Okay. Or didn't. Um, because you have to be open to all of those things. And so... I just love that exercise because she leads it, and I just get to stand next to her and watch people's faces. Hmm. And I mean, there's like real anguish on people's faces, and I think that something as simple as that exercise can generate such a, uh, an emotional response in people.
2: Yeah, that's one of my favorite exercises. That actually comes from the Trauma-Competent Caregiver Training um, from Back-to-Back Ministry. So we'll link to Back-to-Back in the show notes so you can check out what they're all about. But it's a great... Compassion building exercise, Mm. Um, but I think there's just there's so many things that we can do. But I think the ultimate thing is is helping Mm. the people in our village, our tribe, our Mm. our support system, whatever we want to call them, helping build compassion for our kids Mm. through educating them. Yeah, right. Don't build the compassion through giving our kids' story to them, right? But build it through education. Build it through Just helping them in the ways that you have learned things, Mm -hmm. helping them. So invite them to listen to the podcast. Invite them to read blog posts that you've found helpful to you. And help them get excited about learning to better relate to your child.
1: Yeah, And I think a great blog to start with is (laughs) onebighappyhome.com. Indeed. We'll we'll, we'll post a little. Maybe partial to
2: that one. I don't know.
1: We'll, we'll post a, a list of, of books and other resources, but I do just want to mention in the episode that one of our favorite books to recommend is The Whole Brain Child, yeah. uh, Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson, um, partly because it is not written um, from an adoption or foster care perspective. It's not meant for that audience. It's just um, you know, you're, you're, your typical population of children who are growing up in, in their birth families. Yeah. And I think that one of the... Uh, One of the reasons we recommend that is because I think it's disarming because you've removed the the big red A and the big red FC from around people's necks because I think that uh, for a lot of people, I know in our experience, that was an easy barrier for them to throw up because they can't understand that personally, which is why they need the empathy because without empathy, you'll be stuck at sympathy and I promise you. Pretty quickly, you're going to hit a point of crisis where sympathy is not going to carry you yeah. to the end. And it's
0: a it's a really easy read too. It is. Yes, it's very uh, accessible. Yeah, you don't have to you know have letters after your name right. to understand it. I read it on a plane. Yeah, round trip plane ride to Maine for a friend's wedding. I read half of it on the flight up there, and other half on the way back. So it's it doesn't take long to get through.
1: Well, that's one thing that I like about uh, about Tina and. Um, Dan, is they do take really complex ideas yeah. and, and put them in language that that regular people like us can understand. Yeah, I think the thing I would add to what we've
0: talked about so far too is, you know, we, we mentioned it really early on, Ryan mentioned expectations, like we didn't prepare our family members specifically, because yeah. I think we, all the three of us sitting here, we all had that problem with family members specifically. Right. Um. We didn't prepare them with the expectation that whatever healing needs to happen with our children, it's a long term thing.
1: Yes, yeah. that's good. That's so good.
0: And it's not, it's not it's not going to be fixed month, in a month weeks. or six months, especially with foster kids who may be in and out of our home too. Yeah, you know, we may never see a, resol- a resolution to whatever issues they're dealing with because of the short termness that they're with us. Right. And so I, I think that's if, if I could go back and do it again with. We you know with, specifically with my parents that would have been the thing that I would have set up there is like this is not going to be fixed overnight, yeah. And especially since you know we both of our kids that we adopted, we had them on one from birth and one shortly thereafter, so we had them early on, yeah. And you know there was that expectation of well what problems could they possibly yeah. have, yeah. You know yeah. and uh, so that's I think something to, to set out there is that this is a long term deal mm-hmm. that we're in- entering into, and We'd like you to be with us for that long term. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, good. That is good. So, as we said earlier, we'll have links in the show notes to other books and DVDs that we think will be really helpful in helping to, you know, educate those around us who are walking with us on our adoption and foster care journey. If you have any questions for us, like Jamie, and you can fit them into two hundred characters, feel free to tweet them to us at One Big Happy Home. If you need a bit more room. You can always email us at info at one big happy home.com. We have a Facebook group just for podcast listeners and Ryan,
1: I understand we've crossed a, a milestone. Yes. We now have more than 1000 people in the group. Yeah. And it's a great group because honestly, it, it, I mean, it really is community now because I, I just like sort of check in every just now just watch and, yeah. and, and just watch all these folks trading advice and giving really, really great, great, great advice to each other. And it's just fun to watch.
0: So if you would like to join the group, just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast Community. You can also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, the Google Play Store, and Spotify. Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from our show, we would appreciate a review in any of these locations. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.